Sponsorship of the KQED live audio stream comes from Xfinity Mobile, featuring customized wireless plans. Customers can choose unlimited, buy the gig, shared data, or a mix of both and switch it up anytime. Learn more at XfinityMobile.com. All right, you're about to listen to the Nest of Vipers podcast, and this week's episode, Adventures in Dangerous Dining, is from what I'm told, not for the faint of heart or weak of stomach. We've got a lot of great stories, including a lot of vomit. And for those of you who might find the idea of a little lamb having its head sawed in half so fine diners around the country could sup on its little teeny brains, then this episode might not be for you, and I recommend that you turn off your MP3 player right away and tune in next week when we talk about supersized pot seeds that destroy hotel rooms. Welcome to the Nest of Vipers podcast, cultural chit-chat for know-it-alls, ne'er-do-wells, and nattering nabobs everywhere. I'm your host, Danny Plotnick. And each week on the show, we have an esteemed panel of blabbermouths riffing on cultural topics of the utmost importance. And today, we're going to talk about food. And to introduce the panelists very quickly, Tony B., owner of one of my favorite food and drink-related paunches in the world. The Roulon de Bonton. <laughs> Hold on, let me smack it for the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we'll throw some reverb on that later. Uh, does anybody, <laughs> does anybody uh, need some hand-me-down size 32 pants? <laughs> oh, please. Some hand-me-down size 36 yeah. is maybe. 32, maybe. High <laughs> school. Oh, man. Unbelievable. All right. Also, we have Bonnie Walk, who writes a fantastic weekly restaurant column for the San Francisco San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Oh, my goodness. And finally, Jack Boulware, raconteur extraordinaire, author of Sex American Style and SF Bizarro. So essentially a chronicler of the depraved. Yes? Kind of. I just want to do that, too, though, that- there we go. <laughs> That's good. That feels good. I've got mom fat going for me. It's much more reverb there. Very good. Now that we've all shown off the punch. <laughs> now that we've established our credentials. <laughs> now that every listener knows we're svelte and suave people here. We actually eat the, what we preach. I, I don't have a punch. Um, Danny rejected several hard body applicants from today's panel. I'm, I'm still wearing these, these same size pants I wore in high school. Oh, go to hell. It's true. Jeez. I don't know. I'm looking at it. I can, I can, no, I can believe like, it. Size 30. Right. Well, uh, to set the stage, as again, we've all established, we do all love to eat. But I would say every now and again, you have a dining experience that leaves maybe a scar in your memory. And quite often, it's not the food that has anything to do with the experience. And on that note, uh, we'll turn to Jack to get us going. Okay. Uh, my story involves steak. And it happened about <laughs> 10 years ago. I, uh, Can we refer to my steak subscription again? <laughs> we're we're going to talk about Danny's steak subscription a little bit later. Oh, okay, cool. So you have steak of the month club? We, we, Omaha we, steaks? Uh, they were order. Uh, Omaha steaks, oh, mail order. What about my experience at Harris when uh, we went for your birthday? <laughs> Remember that? It all ends in vomiting, doesn't it? <laughs> this is, this is like always? this is the ultimate steak story, though. Let's I, hear it. I, I go home... Uh, for like the holidays you're from, in, you're from in beef Montana, country. total beef country, Montana. I'm in uh, uh, hanging out in this bar in the afternoon, waiting for uh, my parents to show up because it's a bar everybody goes to in town. It's a very small town. My brother and I are, are there in the afternoon drinking. The only person in the bar is an old 
pickled truck driver named Ray sitting on the bar stool by himself. We start talking about the OJ trial because that seems to be in the news uh, around that time. And, and this guy Ray just goes, they should have sent that bastard back to Africa. And we're like, oh, man. It's like you can, you can go home again, but you don't want to hear it all the time. You know, you don't want to hear that. So like a few hours later, all the adults came in uh, to this bar and it was this big, big thing. Everyone is drinking. Uh, there's like my uh, science teacher from eighth grade. You know, there's the former mayor. It's that, that kind of a thing. They had this machine that was uh, serving up nachos. You know the machine oh, the nachos, you like, mean like the movie with theater the, with nachos, with, like with the, the glue on yeah. the top, like oh, the cheese, so that, like just comes out of a nozzle. It's one of my you guilty. Hold, you, you got pleasures. that even in Montana? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was you. Those machines are franchised around. It's not the so much cheese as it is cheese-based entertainment, right? right. Cheese-like <laughs> products. But apparently, cheese this was products. this was a complimentary thing that the bar decided to put out because it's you know the holidays. So uh, Cinco de Mayo, yeah. well, hi, I'm y'all. So uh, <laughs> it's a little bit of south of the border in Montana. Uh, so everyone is like eating the nachos, and my mom—I've never seen her lose control in my life. She's always a very focused uh, woman. Uh, was drinking uh, what I thought was an inordinate amount of like Cuddy Sarks one after another. <laughs> People were buying them. Hey, not, you know, it's not like that a, you were paying attention. No, I was drinking too, but I'd never seen my mom with. You've like never four, gone toe to toe with your mom. No, I, I never thought I would. You know, four drinks in a row, and she's eating the nachos and like laughing and having a great time. And I'm like, we're like, okay, cool, great. You know, so mom's nachos little, bring the party. You know, yeah, you know. So uh, at some point, my mom said to me and my brother, and my dad, "I'm going to buy you boys a steak," and we're like, okay. <laughs> So we walk out of the bar with the animal heads on the wall, and we walk down the street to uh, uh, the Olive Motor Inn Lodge, which apparently is like was maybe 50 years ago a good restaurant, but not so much now. So we go in. Uh, my mom is like cackling a little too much. You know, when you see someone like for the first like, oh, oh, she's like giggling like a hyena or something, you know? So we go in, and she goes, let's have steaks all around. So, of course, we order steaks because in Montana, you don't order seafood. You don't bother with vegetables necessarily. I have some really good sushi in Montana. Jack. <laughs> yeah, you well, know. They must have FedExed it in because, uh, you know, it's, it's a general rule, right? Wherever you go, you kind of like the local cuisine. So in Montana, it's cows and beef. So everyone has a steak. Rocky Mountain uh, Before the steak even comes, my mom you get a, You get like an appetizer of steak. Prior to yeah, the right. steak, steak, tar, little steak salad little, uh, without steak, the salad. Steak pie for dessert. So my mom's head hits the, uh, oh. the table. Like, gently, she's down. And my brother and dad and I are like, huh, okay. Uh, and the steaks arrive. We're like, cool. You know, we start sawing away on the steaks. And my mom uh, is, like, still sitting there with her sawing head Sawing logs, uh, apparently. And the waitress is like, everything okay? And then my mom slowly, surreptitiously uh, raises up a little bit, puts her napkin in front of her mouth, and starts to, like, erupt this <laughs> slow, steady... Faucet volcano of the, nacho, the, the technical scotch term, the, <laughs> spew from her gut, and it starts like going throughout the table like these rivulets Seeping. of sickly yellow puke, and and she's like so trying so wow. hard to hide it, you know. And then we were sitting there to hide it. The medical we term there, is slow puke. <laughs> by we the were, way, we were sitting there trying not. We don't know what to do. You know, we're kind of like panicked, like. But we kept eating. I remember what all of us kept eating. And, uh, and then if my mom would stop. It, maybe she'll wake up and clean it up herself. And my brother was like, 
boom, goes to the kitchen, borrows a roll of paper towels, comes back, and we start smearing it around the table and ah, picking up the plates. It's kind of like the sunny side up eggs. <laughs> and there's the rye bread. And there's this how big. How did you keep eating? There's this big the pile smell of. Alone. Yeah, wait, wait. How can you keep eating? How can you keep eating? Uh, with how that can you smell? live with yourself? Well, it was. Uh, <laughs> how do you sleep at night? It, it's an earthy culture. What can I say? You know? <laughs> so this pile develops of paper towels soaked in vomit. And then, you know, my mom's panting a little and she's like, sorry. And then like a cat, she hunches over and again, like another round comes out. I thought you were going to say it. And then a cat jumped up on the table. But, <laughs> but you know how, how like a cat or a dog will be out on the front lawn, like hunching its Was shoulders. Was there anyone else in the restaurant at this uh, point? Yeah, there Your were some pretty teacher. terrified diners. And uh, no one noticed? Uh, they, th- I think they did notice. Our waitress was like freaked out beyond belief. She was like scared and freaked but out. But she didn't want to say anything because it was somebody's mom and clearly. Uh, I didn't. I think she was just young and paralyzed with fear. She didn't oh, okay. know, really know what to do. She didn't want to touch the vomit. <laughs> I don't know. And, and we're hunch. smearing around. And finally my dad whips out his wallet and throws down like four $20 bills and said, I'm going to take her home. And whisks her out of the back door of the restaurant. And my brother and I looked down, and all of us boys had finished our plates. Oh, like, man. But we have to start laughing because that's like, how freaked out, you know, how freaky is that to see like your mom just like totally lose it? So, you know, the next day, morning, she wakes up and she's all giggling, hungover. And, we're, and she goes, Why didn't you take my steak home? And we said, Because well, it was covered in vomit. Flex some, <laughs> you know? But I, I found out you can wash it off. But I next time next... you go to that place, it's going to be the new special, right? Ah, yeah. I found the chili out bucket. That wasn't over. It wasn't Big over chili. though. The story wasn't over. Apparently, I, I was driving to the airport the next morning with my dad, and he said, "When we got home, your mom hit the floor in the bathroom, and she just decided to rest there for like an hour." on the cool tile of the bathroom floor. <laughs> and then he had to like haul her down the hallway by her feet. This is like, you know. Better, this better is like, that than her ponytail, <laughs> right? total like hillbilly drunk, uh, you know, kind of like out there behavior. My dad, like, and they're in their 60s at this point, hauling my mom down the hallway by her f- ankles and hauling her into bed and putting her in bed. And I'm driving the car listening to him describe this, and I'm thinking, oh, this is like the weirdest thing I've ever heard about my family. And then my dad goes, you know, she's she's heavy. It was like lifting three sacks of feed. There's <laughs> 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 way oh. more information about your mom than you ever the, needed to know. The, the spouse equals bag of bag. feed. And I added oh, it up. That brutal. was 150 pounds because yeah. the 50 pound bags. I just you could see the thought <laughs> balloon with you know, <laughs> little wife little. equals sack of grain. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. But yeah, uh, steak. Wow. That's it. Not much about the, the actual food itself, sorry. Was the steak? How was the steak? Uh, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> how are how are the nachos? Uh, you know, not good. Not good. Not good, not good going down, what, not the, good coming up. No, the spectacle of it though was just scarred it was, me it was forever. A, it was a pageantry of yeah. sorts, I think. Yeah, oh yeah. Orange and I can't even imagine. <laughs> Finishing your plate though. Well, I guess we were hungry. <laughs> yeah, that really. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I could did, have no, lasted did, did, through that. Did Dad finish his plate as well? Oh yeah, we oh, all. Did. Everybody. Yeah, we all did. So, it's almost but, like you but, didn't want to acknowledge what was going on. Well, but it's all right because Mom asked about the steak the next morning. I think she would have wanted her boys, right? I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. In, in, in like a wholesome sense, everyone should clean their plate. It was that kind of a culture. She like, was taking you out. As well, right. She was taking you out to steak. That's right. So you know, if we left it there, she that would have been more of an insult to her. I think. Right. That would have made her feel really bad. Right. As opposed to just hung over. I'm and, taking like, you boys out for rivulets of vomit. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> 
And I you better think, drink every with a, drop. With a side. <laughs> I'm getting a spork. <laughs> I think it does say something about steaks, though, because steaks are one of those foods that you just don't leave a perfectly good steak on a plate. It's true. You know what I mean? You've no. paid a lot of money for a we, good we steak. We all can You're, give Jack a hard time yeah. about finishing the steaks, but if we were there... It would have been I don't a, know. well if it was if it was my mother, <laughs> then maybe I would. If it was someone else's mother, I probably would have left it. Yeah, I don't know. You, but you know, it, it's like you 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 want to take it home or you finish it. You yeah, know, but you know, it's steak for God's sake. You're gonna sakes, finish it eventually know? anyway. You might as well do it while it's warm. Right? <laughs> Good point. Oh. Good point. <laughs> Or Wait. covered with a little nacho. <laughs> Which thing, Dan? I know. Which thing being warm? That didn't sound come out right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that's... So uh, I'm sorry uh, you had all to hear that. All right, Anthony, you're going to have to Never follow, follow that Never follow an up. animal actor or a vomit story. All right, well, you know, I mean... Well, you know, okay. I've this seen is... one puddle of vomit. I'm going to raise you. <laughs> I actually did vomit at the bathroom of a famous steakhouse here in San Francisco on Danny's birthday. And then I went back out there, and I went, and I sat back down at the table Yes, and finished your estate. That's right. Did you? You finished it? Yeah, I think it was That's really the we... MSG and the, and, the, uh, and, the, and, the, and the salad dressing the, is really what kind of put it. Those the hormones. It didn't, it, the nachos. But, but. You know, I'm thinking actually a great TV show, reality TV show, finished that steak. <laughs> I did. Out, you have beautiful, well-cooked steak, and horrible shit is happening all okay. around them. Now, here's, okay, so this, this one's, I, you know, I didn't actually throw up at the conclusion of this meal, but I came very close. And it was a, a bit of a you know, two-part thing. This is, I was living in New Zealand at the time, and this involves a couple of different camping trips that I took in, uh, in around kind of Christmas time. And uh, the first time we went and we did some camping in these caves that used to have ballroom dancing right on the, on the ocean. They had hardwood ballroom dancing floors, and we were camping out in these caves, and, go, and we went eel fishing for our dinner. Because it turned out to be breakfast because it wasn't rain time. We're, we're sitting there in the rain uh, with lines kind of at dusk in the pouring rain with hand lines baited with steak. <laughs> steak, again. <laughs> Even the eels. If it kills them, they're going to eat that steak. <laughs> Finish every bite on the hook. The the eels aren't going for no jelly wrigglers. They're looking for some. They're they're looking for really? some grade A. They're not. They're not going to go for. Not going to put a nacho chip on there. No. They're, they're they're just kind of like hanging out down there, and they're they're not going to be bothered to move for anything short of some really good steak. So we're sitting there, and we have you know the steak baited hooks, and you know after a couple of hours of standing there in the rain, getting you know cold, wet, you know these hand lines, you know we pull a couple of eels out of the water, take them back to the cave. And uh, the guy that we were with, Simon, he's a real outdoorsman, avid outdoorsman, and he like basically showed us how to do it, where you you know kind of chop the head off and you cut the eel down the middle and you, you splay it open. He had these little wooden slats uh, that you enable you to cut the eel open and hold the eel. Uh, it holds the eel open so that you can remove its, I guess, its spine. Do, do eels have spines? Yeah, you, it, it's it's some, it's some sort of spinal column. <laughs> You know, that you had, spinal like entertainment product. <laughs> just uh, needed to deliver the nerves all the way down the body to somehow. Yeah, and and so like he you know removes that and then has these little wooden slats and the takes things his that eel. make them hurt when you kill them. Yeah. <laughs> They're oh, eel. Oh, the eel liberation oh, army. Eel. Hey, stop the stop the brutality of eels. And yes. well, I mean, the thing is, you know, okay, so then he pours a bunch of salt, you know, to start curing the eel. And this thing to is make like it feel even better. It's wriggling, and even though, and yeah, then he's 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 chopped. Things that are slimy really love it when you pour salt on them. He's he's chopped yeah. it up into segments and has it has it opened up, and he's pouring the salt. And these individual smaller pieces are like they're. I mean, it's not even wriggling; it's writhing. 
<laughs> I, you know, I can I can definitely say that each of these things is just going full force, and then the more salt he puts, and like over a period of time, it, they the movement slows, and then he takes the pieces and he puts them in the smoker. Like how big a piece are we talking? Well, I mean, like I'd, a, I'd say the, I'd say the eel was maybe the, the, I'd say this one was about four, maybe like four foot long. Right, and uh, you know, so then he's chopping it into like maybe you know, kind of six to twelve inch pieces, and then eventually like puts them in the in the smoker and puts them there overnight. And so the, these are like six to twelve inch pieces of wriggling eel. Yes, like body of thick, maybe the size of your fist. You know, yeah. Well, actually, you know, maybe maybe not quite as big as like as as a fist, but all but, but a child's fist, perhaps. Yeah, a baby's arm a holding baby's an apple. Baby's fist. <laughs> 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 but let's not skip ahead to my story just yet. <laughs> Whatever. At that point, it was really too late. We we just ate other stuff that we brought with us. But we had smoked eel in the morning for breakfast, and it was one of the most delicious things. I mean, it was light, fluffy, you know, smoky. It was it was it was great. I mean, it was absolutely you know we just had this great breakfast, and of, it had of, stopped wriggling by then. It was fluffy. Smoked slash cooked to perfection, fluffy eel that we ate with eggs, you know, coffee, you know, sitting in the cave. Great camping meal, right? Awesome. Oh my god! So that what was did so they good. smoke it with? Did they have like special mesquite wood? Was yeah, yeah. Like it, was, it was like it, it was like chip. I, you know, I don't I don't know if it was mesquite, but you know, he had it was special kind of smoking because you know he would he would catch a lot of trout. It was another thing you know where we actually went out and you know did the. Uh, the fishing on this this lake where like you drive around but you have like a a fish radar it's a, it's a it's a lake stocked with trout and then to make it even easier they give you this little trout radar radar so that you just drive your boat over some ra- yeah. you know some radar sightings of the trout and then you put your then yeah. you like throw your hook down and then you it's catch like a trout hundred percent efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> A couple weeks later, on a camping trip, and this time we're in a different part of the country, kind of more like further up on the North Where the Island. Eels are savvier, maybe. Well, to begin with, I mean, we, it, it was it was daylight. There were these clear water streams. You could actually see the eels in the water. And so then our, our friend was, "Oh, let's go, let's go eel fishing." And I'm all, "Okay, I've done this before. I know how to do it." You know, so I bait my hook, and we're sitting there and dangling the lines in. And this one eel just kind of comes swimming up to us and puts his head out of the or its head out of the water pokes its head all the way out of the water and is staring at all of like kind of slowly moving its gaze around everybody taking in the eel seat. fishing taking party. Taking oh, it in. Taking it in. Is it cute? Like a, like a sea otter? Kind well, of? my girlfriend at the time, Saskia, she's like, oh, look at that one, that black one. And we're like, yeah, we're looking at it. She goes, and she calls him Blackie. And so she gives oh, him a name. Never and then name your food. You can't, you can't name. name your food. You can't name the animal you're trying to catch, kill, and eat. Yeah, you know, yeah it's just, that it's was bad a form. mistake. It Sad is. form. So then, so then she was like, no, you can't put, take your hooks out. There's Blackie. So we, we walked downstream, you know, whatever, you know, a couple hundred yards. And Blackie follows us downstream and pokes his head out of the water. Blackie followed us up and down the stream for the better part of an hour and a half. And Sasuke was asking for it. He wouldn't allow us to put our hooks in the water anywhere near Blackie. And so we're sitting there and, I mean, and these are, uh, this was an even bigger eel. I mean, these, I couldn't even tell. I mean, by my reckoning, I mean, some <laughs> of these eels. six foot eel. Some of these eels live to be 60, 70, 80 years old. You know, they have no, I mean, once they get to be a certain size, they're just like, they're just kind of hanging out. I mean, I don't, you know, certainly steak. It's like Loch Ness. You know, steak on a business. hook is, is really one of their, you know, they're, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're just 
pretty psyched until they get the hook. Until they get the hook, <laughs> is that we wound up catching a couple of eels that but we were blacky. convinced they were not blacky. <laughs> really? This gray one, you know, the, the way we knew for a fact that it wasn't blacky because he was gray. We had no, we had no smoking gear or anything like that with us. So basically what we did was using our best recollection of how our other friend had prepared the eel, we you know, chopped the head off and, you know, tried removing the spine and, you know, you basically start salting it and we, we cut it up into little chunks and we just threw it in a pan and started sauteing it. And so like we had this, this pot, you know, this pan of wriggling eel chunks and this went on for the better, you know, and, and it like an hour, hour and a half, and the, and the things were kept wriggling. And so we put a bunch of curry sauce in there. And it's wriggling for sauce. an hour? Oh, oh it I mean, for, this thing wouldn't, I mean, this was going on. And then finally, we were so, you know, getting so hungry to eat, we took, you know, the pan of, of sauteing eel chunks, and we put them in a sauce pot, and then put a bunch more, like, peppers and hot sauce and garlic, anything that we thought would kind of slow or somehow, like, you know, stop the eel chunks from wriggling. And uh, and so then we cooked it, and it was still going on for like three four hours. It was still wriggling. We Is opened like up the nerve, lid. Dang nervous. We opened up the lid to the sauce pot and just saw this kind of rise. You know, it was like this, this, this like horror movie. Like horror movie. Eel really? of the Dam. <laughs> it really is. And then finally, I mean, the and eels we had, that wouldn't die. And we had nothing else to eat for dinner. That was our dinner. That was the that was the plan. And we only we had already we couldn't eat it. You know, and well, so finally we kind of poured out. You know, or kind of ladle it out on, on some plates and out of the party, I don't know, there was about six of us and I think everybody got maybe one or two bites in and it was just nausea, revulsion. Wow. It was the game, it worst tasting. Plus it's horrible. still moving in your mouth. Well, right? the thing is, I felt, <laughs> I you felt feel it? it moving in my stomach. I felt oh, oh that I goes felt, away within like ten hours. Later. I felt a little <laughs> yeah. bit of wriggling. Like I felt it move. Like I felt something move in my stomach. And was it sort of it's rubbery, alive. not tender, like it was? Oh, it was like a rubber band. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was probably eating as you know, maybe if it were like a uh, a brick of rubber band material. You know, mm. it was sort of like chewing. I'm chewing not through. feeling very good. <laughs> oh. it, it basically, you know, and so here it is, you know, I was all excited to eat eel again and show everyone was, what a badass eel fisherman yeah, you right? were. And it was, it, was, slump. it was, it was horrible, inedible, <laughs> worst tasting. And, and, and then, and then like having it, something that was still actually that I felt to be still alive or wriggling around inside oh. my stomach was, was pretty much the end of it. Oh, did you throw up? Did you make yourself throw up? I, you wouldn't want it kind of slapping. <laughs> Oh, it would be wiggling up, coming all the way up. That's true. It would be. It would kind of come out of your mouth and kind of back flip you. It would actually run up your windpipe. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, a psychic, um, psychically tormented meal. um, But no, I I mean I've eaten eel again in like at sushi restaurants. Sure, unagi. Yeah, and I and I and I do like like that. (laughs) But you know, I guess it's just uh, it's really all all in the prep. Now, are there eels here in California that you could go fish for, or is this like? There's probably you have eels to go everywhere. To like crazy at, New at Zealand at the Monterey eels. Bay Aquarium, I believe. Yeah, I think after hours, scurry. You need someone who works there to you know get you in at night. I mean, just and then after that trip, actually, on later, uh, it, was, it was sort of the end of that trip, and we were in a uh, just we were in a thrift store. You know, I was looking through some books and magazines, and I found in New Zealand Nature magazine there was an article about eels. Basically, the eels that we saw in the freshwater at a certain point go over land. 
into the ocean, swimming their way. When eels are small enough, I guess, I mean, it's partly that they travel together. It's the surface tension. They can, like, when eels are first born, they can navigate up sheer walls. Because it, like they, little slugs, yeah, like little mm-hmm. slugs, just based on the uh, on the surface tension of mm-hmm. a little bit of moisture. So here they are, and I think I don't know, maybe part of it is like that by traveling in packs of several thousand, the eels wriggle together over land and they make their way to the ocean. It seems to me that would be the time to kill him. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess that there's also in Maori legend, you know, that there would be nights of the great eel migration where you would hear this noise, which is essentially, you know, Whoa. tens of thousands of nights eels of the great eel migration. going over land and they make their way to the ocean and then they swim out kind of north of Australia and they hang out in this little secret patch of, of ocean really? somewhere. Yeah, like do you subscribe to National Geographic? You know, I do not. Eel, so eel the eels, like the, when the eels are moving from freshwater to... Uh, 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 to the ocean, to the salt water, they're like single, basically this mosh pit migration thing, <laughs> and then they get there, and then all of a sudden it's like uh, it's know. sort of the eelmatch.com. They yeah. made <laughs> they, they meet along the way. They, they, they meet a special someone along oh, the way, oh, the and then they you know in the secret mating spot somewhere in between Australia and Tonga, <laughs> they uh, they have their little it secret must be like mating a giant ball. Of just like crazy eels going at it. I mean, well, yeah, and and I then want photos of that. Swimming in school. And then they swim back, and they make it back to the fresh water, and they spawn. And then you know, so like, and some of these eels. I mean, I you know. But where's that documentary, Danny? I mean, we could watch <laughs> penguins march. You know, across why like nights? why can't we see like wriggling eels? eels? <laughs> you know, being stared down by an eel. Dance of that was a, that was that was pretty Blackie. unnerving. Blackie. Wow. I mean, at that well, point, did you he seem really old to, and wise? It, he, it was genuinely curious about us as yeah. creatures. That's you know, sad. It really. I, I just. Do you, think it was, do you think it was smart? Do you think it knew? It knew that if it, if you can make eye contact, does the they eel won't kill you? Yeah, right. It just didn't poke its head out and just kind of look. Around. It was. It was looking at us like one by you. one. It was going down the line of. Just, it was hunting you. That's clear. That you know any horror movie. It's going to be have like an evil eel character that's going to do that. Hey man, if that, you fell and, if and you he, fell in the water, I wouldn't be surprised that you actually there, there would be a likelihood in that particular bit of water where we were, like in that eel stream, wrapping itself around you. You would that you would have some eels coming up and trying to you know. Do they bite or do they poison? Do they have teeth? Yeah. They do have teeth. Big well, they teeth, eat steak, so they yeah. must have teeth, right? <laughs> Chew it up a little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Bonnie, what do you got for us? God, vomiting eels. I, I got <laughs> vomiting eels, and and um, mine. I guess mine sort of dovetails into your story with the whole idea of you know never um, name anything you're about to eat, and also never eat anything cuter than yourself. You know, <laughs> well, you know, and writing about food here, it and and being in like the PC capital of of the planet, it it sometimes gets a little dicey because you occasionally do go in and order things like veal and foie gras and in this case um, something that was named even more heinously and it's it's just it isn't done here very much and when it is done it's kind of done under the darkness cloak and dagger of right. night and it's like and I think that's really why they uh, they name things like we talk uh, about sweet. baby fist <laughs> <laughs> well, like sweetbreads instead of, you know, like what it really is, you know, like I think people invent these kind of nice euphemisms because, you know, if you go into a restaurant in San Francisco and say, I will have the Boxton milk fed calf that has never seen the light of day, you right. know, you're going to get a lot of um, the PETA people coming down the street. So 
I was in a very popular San Francisco restaurant that I shall name here, Delfina. And <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, fair enough. No one heard that. And, <laughs> and I do you was, have a link to that? Yes, <laughs> that's DEL Seventeenth Street, isn't it? <laughs> and actually, I know this. This this will go over fine because the chef Craig Stoll will has has a little part in this story. <laughs> no, not to name names. <laughs> not that I'm right. Not I that just, I'm nice, keeping uh, track. I don't know where you're talking. What? Who? <laughs> Who's ever heard? It's of like this three restaurant. podcasts and you already shut down legally. Attorneys, <laughs> I love it. It was short but sweet. Trash talking lawyers as well. It won't be the first cease and desist order this show has received today. So I'm in there and I'm trying to find a dish. Like there's certain dishes that he's very well known for, and I'm trying to find something that he's not as well known for that's that's really really good. And what's been recommended to me is a dish called lamb's brains saltimbocca. That sounds horrible. Is that with or without the bone? It sounds horrible until you get to the saltimbocca. Right. It's kind of a la, it's uh, a la king. Just say uh, anything a la king. And, uh, that's right. The boca part's fantastic. Yeah. So, he really. And without it, the whole dish is just crap. Incomplete. So, yeah. It's just a bunch of brains. Otherwise. So is sweet is sweet bread? Is that secret code for lamb's brain at Delphina? No, sweet bread is mean, actually. Uh, aren't sweet bread's testicles? Pancreas. Oh, the pancreas. I think it's pancreas. Yeah. Okay. Um, but lamb's brains are re- pretty much exactly people what have they trouble, sound people like. People have trouble with pancreas. <laughs> well, well, I know it, it's, it's cancerous. All... You could die from it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's some things in there that are, you know, like if you if you actually saw where what part of the beast it came from, you would be less inclined to order it. I'm sure. But lamb's brains. So in order there's to get no, lamb's brains, there's no you, way around that. To one. get even get the brains, you have to really take a saw to the skull <laughs> right. of the lamb. And they're and are they doing that in, in the back at Delfina? They and they're the very lamb. fresh. It's like the lamb uh, chef. You know, like, what was his name again? With the top. <laughs> the evisceration room. <laughs> All of San Francisco's finest restaurants have it. Oh, God. Just plug your ears when you go in that restaurant. It gets noisy. Well, the thing is that, and you're completely right about that. And they taste better if you you take their brains out while they're alive, too, right? Well, yeah, fresher. Are they different tasting? It's it's like lobsters. they're alive. Mmm. Lamb's brain from, you know, still thinking, lamb thoughts, or is it dead? Well, I will tell you this, that, and this is sort of the latter part of the story, but um, sort of to make me feel better, there's a little part of that, you know, the thinking lamb versus the non-thinking lamb, but... (laughs) So I'm in the restaurant, and Delfina is an extremely loud restaurant. It's it's always very crowded, and it's the decibel level is like being at a miniature Rolling Stones concert, sort of. It's just very, very loud. And I wanted to order this dish, and I didn't really want to order it loudly because, you know, I just didn't want to get the looks people from would the people. Hear. Yeah. Right, people would people. Who's ordering the sheep? Kind of like a, when E.F. Hutton <laughs> talks moment. You right. The lamb's brain in the entire restaurant. That's exactly what Who would dare order that? Yeah. That's Exactly what happened. I want so the lamb's I, brain. No, I the said the lamb's brain. <laughs> you guys must have heard this story before. <laughs> so I say as quietly as I can in a room full of screaming people, full of high decibel level, I'll have the lamb's brain salting boca. And the waiter, of course, can't hear me. So it was an E.F. Hutton moment where he was like, excuse me, did you say you'd have the lamb's brains? And I was like, <laughs> and I was looking you, the Couldn't you way. point at the menu? I mean, I well, would, you know, like it's like the universal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is this? Uh, How you say in your country? <laughs> so, um, yes. So he announced it pretty much to the entire room that that's what I would be having. And there, 
not that there was like a giant hush, but there were certainly like heads whipping around, you know, so we waited very, very painfully for a while while that settled no, in. Someone and, might attack you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Does it take a long time to prepare? It was a lot longer than I'd hoped for. They just throw them in the microwave. They got them all ready. <laughs> you know, five minutes, it's steaming. <laughs> Get them from the chili bucket. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, and so like when it finally arrived, like I think half the restaurant was like looking at me as it as this as this plate arrived, and they're like, "Oh, there's the lamb spray." You know, like, can't believe she's going to What does it that. look like on the plate? It's they serve it. They're I mean, very, they very... They the head on the side. It's like a dome. The top, the top <laughs> of the skull. Voila. And here, for you, and what was most shocking and surprising about it was that it arrived, and they're, like, teeny. They're really, really They're not small. that smart, are they? Well, this is what, Craig, this is what the, this was, like, the saving grace. There's, like... These three teeny little I mean, lamb's look, brains I arrive mean, look, on the plate. They like living in those small boxes. <laughs> they don't complain. They don't get out. They can't be that small. Maybe right? these and were like, like baby lambs or like embryo like, lambs. Well, they they were baby lambs. Yeah. Well, lambs are babies by <laughs> nature of the word. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> but, and you're from meat country. Yeah, but not lamb country. <laughs> Difference. But, so I was looking at these. I'm going, wow, those are like the smallest brains I've ever seen, you know, and and, and uh, so you sent them back. I want a larger brained <laughs> well, animal, well, please. Well, and so the chef came out uh, after a little while, and I was kind of, and it had been like draped in prosciutto and lemon and butter, and there was like other things on the plate. So that part it was very good. decorous, yeah. you know, it was quite nice. And uh, decorous, a good <laughs> San Francisco Chronicle writer word. Thank Excellent. you, thank Excellent. you. And and the thing, here's the thing: they're really, really good. They're really tasty. What are they? And taste like with like? every bite, I was like going, "Oh God!" You know, they're kind of. Um, What's the texture? A of little, they're tender, and a little bit on <laughs> so the um, so tasty. Yes, a little bit on the. If you've ever had sweetbreads, they're a little bit like that, but not um, pancreas. Terribly livery yeah. tasting. Like foie gras. No, more. Um, <laughs> More Pick text- a gland. More textured than that. Yeah, it always comes down to organ meats, doesn't it? Um, and so like then, a so then, braised lung is kind of what it tastes like. <laughs> it tastes a little bit. Braised I think it's lung. just the. It's just to the left. Clean. Black and lung. That tastes like forty years of Parliament lights. <laughs> Do you have anything menth- ment- in the menthol? <laughs> we, have a, we, have a, we have a Virginia Slims, a verified Virginia Slims oh, smoker. Those are harder to find. I'd say it's, it's not as unctuous as spleen and more. <laughs> but what is know. as unctuous as spleen? No, I really, I ask you though. So so finally, the you know Craig comes out and he's like, how did you like the, the lamb's brains? And, uh, and many, I said, how, I many, said well, how many brains do you get on it? You get three brains on a plate. That's, See, that's always been my problem. You know, I'm like, well, come on, that's, that's three lousy little brains. Like- and he, well, he tells me that they're small because they get. Um, he says lambs. They expand politely, in your they're just very. They're not very bright, and we get especially dumb ones. <laughs> he said that. He said the chef that. Said that. I get especially dumb ones. So, um, you know, whether or not uh, how, he how gave him an, an like, intelligence such, test in the back room. They're he, such a dumb animal anyway. What is a dumb test. like lamb? Do they come up to the restaurant and ask for work? You know, <laughs> put their head on the table. <laughs> so, I heard you guys were hiring. <laughs> I think that that's the smart one. I think the PETA death squad is at the door, guys. <laughs> I know. Well, see, this, I, I was got quite big, That's a big van out there. <laughs> 
guys coming out in like matching Man. clothes. <laughs> Well, and, Jack and is, I'll is make it, sure it's a keyword search for this. Jack, is, is that a red laser beam? <laughs> Ow, I see. <laughs> my ears <Pointed>. hot. <laughs> you do have your back to the window. And he really thinks that people. Danny, can you close the shade? Actually, the name, you what's know, that? He said he really thinks that people don't order as much because of the name because he thinks it's like an outstanding dish, but people really can't get past lamb's brains as a name. So he's going to have to give it some other kind of euphemism to make it more palatable i think to, you know, well this to, brings to up another question dish. like if, if people don't order it that much how do they know they have it in stock you know <laughs> what i mean because like all restaurants have to have like fresh like you, you don't know. want yesterday's brain exactly right, or right. like do you Good do you point. like say you know what happens if nobody orders them what do you do with them Chili. <laughs> chili bucket. Can we the explain chili. the chili bucket? No, we, Who if, if, what's the chili bucket? The chili bucket. We're gonna have to put on some of the like. We're gonna have to have a glossary of the inside jokes from this episode. Before we started recording, of course, we told lots of stories, and the chili bucket came up many times for people who've worked in restaurants. Anthony, why don't you? Well, it, the, the the engineer, our, oh, our engineer for yeah, today. Chris, see, folks, would you like to hold on here, Chris? Yeah, but, come let, around. Let's this go is the origin the of the chili bucket. Ladies and hey. gentlemen, Chris Zephos. The chili bucket uh, for those who have never worked at Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, restaurant like in the, the Michigan, a restaurant like in, uh, in the a U.S. restaurant that won't be named. <laughs> right. That's all right. Dave, Dave's, Dave's, Dave. Dave's dead, so it doesn't matter. Uh, at Wendy's, the, they cook hamburgers fresh, and the hamburgers come off the line at a certain point. But if the hamburgers stay on the grill too long, then they end up in the chili bucket. How long is too long? Well, do you remember? It's. Um, Three, four hours? No, no, no. It's not that long. No, no, no. It's not that long. But it, it's sort of like you have to kind of see from sight, you know, that, you know, that, right, oh, like, that's too like dry. That's be the salmonella. By yeah, side. exactly. No. <laughs> like it, there's like no, like even fluid left in no, the burger. No, exactly. Right. It's completely dried out. You can't serve this meat. Okay. Or can you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what does a chili enter, bucket look like? Enter does, the mythical repository. The, and the chili bucket actually was a bucket. It was a white bucket, probably about... You stir it with an oar? No, 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 no. No, it would be above the grill. Because yeah. there would be the grill, there would be the bun warmer above the grill. And then <laughs> on top of the bun warmer is the chili bucket. Nondescript plastic? No, white plastic. About, it looks like a spittoon. No. <laughs> it's like a garbage can. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like kind of like a garbage can. So, so all like big... scraps go in the well, chili no, no, bucket. No, 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 just the meat. Just the meat just scraps. Just the hamburger meat. Or so you claim. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so did there was there like grease at the bottom of this thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. Unless it was. Uh, so when you threw it, at, you know, to make the chili, then who did somebody have to break it up with yes. a stick? The chili bucket then goes into the walk-in and it stays in there until you're ready to make chili, and then you take the meat from the chili bucket and you put it in um, sort of like a, one of those. Uh, stainless steel uh, yeah, yeah. trays, whatever, and you put that on the big stove in the back, and you and filled with water, and then you cook it even more, and you know <laughs> to just completely <laughs> rid it of any kind of you know flavor, flavor, flavor or texture, anything. Yeah. anything. And yeah. what was the sauce? And, and then and, and then well, you make and then you have to break it up by hand, like with these two big spatula kind of things and yeah. whatever, uh, and then pour it into the chili. I always thought the chili was lovingly made at Wendy's. <laughs> By like chili Thank, you. Thank you, sound engineer Chris Zipos. <laughs> now, did you wow. have a chili bucket-like story? I, I worked. This is a, uh, a a fast food restaurant. The in, chain. It was a chain, uh, and it was the chain was Taco Viva. It was a competitor to Taco Bell. 
They didn't win the taco wars. <laughs> you know, they didn't win the taco wars. And I, you know, I'm not, this is, it's, and that's not the first time I've worked at a place that lost a war uh, because <laughs> I was working at a, a place called Pick a Chick. In Boston, which was the and resurrection. El Taco Loco beat him out. No, 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 well, no, this is what um, I worked. It was called Pick a Chick, and it was the resurrection of what had been one of the most famous Jewish delis in Boston or outside of New York. It was a Jewish deli in Boston. Outside existed. of New York, yeah. Boston. Well, I mean, it, I mean, it was a famous Jewish deli in Boston called Pick a Chick, and it ran from roughly like the 50s into the 70s, and then they, they shut the doors. And the son of the owner, the owner was a very educated, cool, like very cultured. You know, awesome guy named uh, Lester, and he spoke like five languages and was a very successful businessman. Ran this great Jewish deli, and his son Kenny uh, resurrected it. And Kenny was like total. The guy speaks five languages and names his kid Kenny. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite get that. And runs a business called Pick a Chick. <laughs> well, so it was the whole thing where you could pick a chicken off the rotisserie. That's why it was called Pick a Chick, because uh-huh. the, the chickens were spinning in Spelled the rotisserie. P-I-K- C-H-I-K. Yeah. So this wasn't like a '60s uh, pickup scene. Oh, no, no. Okay. This, okay. So this was in the in the uh, in the mid to late '80s. Uh, the son, you know, Kenny was hang, you know, was at the gym and wound up making the acquaintance of of this guy Bobby, who had been the main. Um, uh, the driving force behind Emac and Bolio's gourmet ice cream. So they they kind of had this thing where they were going to resurrect Pick a Chick and make it into. I, this, so this was like right at the beginning of the nascent chicken wars in Boston between Boston Chicken before it became Boston Market before it became a national franchise. It was and basically like, like Boston Chicken <laughs> versus it is gone isn't it? versus no, Pick a Chick. Ceremony. Uh? The land time for. There's also an Orange Julius at ceremony. <laughs> Orange Julius. So anyway, anyway but, were you saying something? Taco yeah. Viva. So anyway, Pick, pick a Chick wound up losing. You know, for, they they wound up losing the the uh, the Pick a Chicken franchise war <laughs> to to Boston Market. And maybe it's like the, the grand opening day. Uh, what my, did you my, do? Well, we broke the glass door to the chicken rotisserie case. So for the first two and a half weeks, shards of glass were getting onto the chicken. <laughs> Just exposed oh, the to the to the Boston the air. The, the flagship restaurant of what was hoped to be an actual model for a franchise, a national franchise, basically was you know a, on opening day we broke the glass door to the the chicken rotisserie case. Anyway, going back several years in Whoa, time, what? Hold that on. was a long like. Wow, I, I have to like. Okay, Taco Viva, Taco Viva. Their, their, their slogan was "Cuando usted diga taco, diga viva," which means when you say taco, say viva, right? <laughs> and they went out of business. Yeah, they went. Well, they're, 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 they had six different brands of that hot sauce. That didn't catch on. Their six, hottest six hot sauce was brands. El Scorcho. I don't remember which is Spanish that. for real hot. I'm told. <laughs> but now that's good. And El so I'm, you know, so Chris was talking about the walk-in and the metal tray of meat, and it's all, you know, you you go into the walk-in. We ran out of meat on the front line, ground meat, and so I get sent back to the walk-in. I take out one of these, you know, stainless steel trays of meat, and I'm I'm walking out of the walk-in, and I slip on this huge grease patch, and the meat goes flying all over the floor. There's ground meat everywhere. I start like scooping it up, putting it in the garbage can. And my manager comes back and freaks out. She sees me, and she was like this really mean, ratchet-faced uh, horrible. She was horrible. Remember, all you kids, if you're trying to get ahead in the fast food business, <laughs> never throw the food into the garbage. Here's what happened. Because she grabbed the spatula. Always a chili bucket in your future. She grabbed the spatula out of my hand. What are you doing? That's a seventy-dollar tray of meat. And this was in 1981. So that's like a hundred and ten dollars. Hundred and fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> <And> so. <laughs> 
grabs the spatula out of my hand and begins scooping the, the, the meat that's all over this this greasy, dirty floor, putting it back into the state. the grease kind of like protects it from the dirt on the floor, right? I mean, it's kind of like having saran wrap down there. It's sort of like the, isn't it like the 10 second rule with little kids, right? I grabbed it and, and then she told me to grab a, a, a jug, like one of those big giant glass <laughs> jugs of, of the hot sauce and I reached for the El Scorcho and she, no, what do you have? They're not the El Scorcho! Get the enchilada sauce, which is like the dark brown, the most mild sauce. So I, she winds up pouring about, I don't so know. I think you would want the hot sauce on the infected meat. Just to kill all of it, yeah. <laughs> she put a bunch of the enchilada of sauce on, mixed it up with the spatula, and, and, and ordered me to take the tray of meat out to the Foul. front line where it was immediately... It was it's a hit. <laughs> My, what's its new flavor? And we, then we had the longest <laughs> line of any fast food place in the Whole Food Taco Court. Taco Viva's people. Word got out. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, speaking, like, loosely related, I heard recently that the word gordita... From a very well-known uh, taco chain. Taco. The winner of the taco, the taco chain wars? Yes, pretty much the winner. Uh, taco town? That, it's not even a, a real word in Spanish. It doesn't like tri- translate to anything in Spanish. Little Gordo? L- yeah, Little Gordo. Like, it, Somebody's It's, it's name. like a nonsense yeah. word that just looks good on a menu. I don't know. My uncle actually poked me in the paunch at Christmas time and said, K Gordo. So, and, I, and I was pretty insulted because he's like, he's way heavier than I am. I was just like, look, you know. Look hey. who's talking. Hey, Gordo. <laughs> yeah. King Gordo. Hey. Gordo Grande. Excuse me, but please remove your index finger from wait, my wait, role. Wait, wait, he said, got, I, and he said I would if I could. Right? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's a sign it's of wealth in some cultures. It's a sign of wealth and success in some cultures to have a fat role. Sorry, Danny. There's skinny <laughs> no. people. You know, you're the trembling waif in the village. Yeah. And the rest oh, of us are. But the, uh, the story I was going to tell is I grew up in Detroit and – one of the big culinary treats in Detroit is the Coney Island hot dog, which is essentially... Coney uh, Island's not in Detroit, is it? No, that'd be New York or uh, someplace outside of Boston. I'm not sure. But <laughs> and, 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 it, and they have these Coney Island restaurants everywhere. And I mean, essentially what, what the hot dog is, it's a hot dog with a bunch of chili on top of it and chopped onions and mustard. And they have, I mean, thousands of these restaurants in, in Detroit. And they're uh, all called Coney Island. Are they? They're all, they all something Coney Island. It's your basic chili dog. It's ba- it's basically chili. Yeah, I mean that's essentially what it is. I don't know why they call it that. Cheese too. With cheese on. No. No. No, no cheese. No. No cheese. No. Is a hot dog like basic like? It's your basic cow hot dog. Nose and heart cow and nose, yeah. seal, testicles, all that stuff. Mm. Chopped onion, chili, mm. mustard. And the, and the, does this tie Not into to the? Uh, does this tie into the missing carny? <laughs> the wave of, you know, of the, the dozens of missing carny in the summer of '73. Well, wow. <laughs> the hot dogs were better that year. For some reason. They were. They, I don't know what it was. But and, and so growing up, they, there are two sort of you know kind of classic Coney Island places in, in Detroit downtown. One called Lafayette Coney Island, and one called American. And they're right next door to each other, run by brothers. And, and a lot of these places are run by Greeks, uh, big Greek population in Detroit. And sort of growing up, you had your allegiance. You either you went to Lafayette or you went to American, and you know. Was there any difference? The only well, they're the, run by brothers in the same family, right? I yeah, mean, how different could two, they be? Two two big differences. Lafayette had this sort of for Micah that kind of tur- that very kind of sixties, late fifties, early sixties turquoise blue aqua vibe, heavy fluorescent lighting. And American was striped orange and silver, sort of clown alley style. Uh, and the other difference was American served French fries and Lafayette didn't. 
That was the big difference. Lafayette didn't That's serve French fries. That's a deal breaker. That is a deal breaker. Well, but I think it was this thing. If you were maybe a contrarian like me, you like the fact that a place that had almost nothing on the menu wouldn't serve French fries. They don't need to. They don't need to serve Man. French fries. They do one thing and they do it right. And it, I mean, essentially, the menu is, is a pretty small menu. You could get your Coney. You could get your loose hamburger, which is a bunch of like loose hamburger meat on a hot dog bun. Loose hamburger <laughs> meat brought over from the Wendy's. That <laughs> <laughs> on a hot dog bun, so it's kind of a nightmare. And to eat. from or you Delfino could, uh, Slow Night, apparently yeah. the lamb and, and lamb's brain. It was this weird third With enchilada item out there. sauce <laughs> and, and the, a little and, bit of Jack's mom. And yeah, you have a little too much hot sauce. You'll be having some loose meat, I guarantee. <laughs> Or if you want to go all out, you could get the combo, which was the coney with the loose hamburger meat on top, and chili was the other option. And then you could get pie. I'm guessing there's not a vegan menu. <laughs> no, there would there would be none whatsoever. You know, sort of in the college years, you'd go there, you know, 2 a.m. after going to shows, you'd be hanging out with a you know a bunch of people, and everyone would sort of order separately. So it'd be this thing: the guy would come down, and you'd sit there, and you're like, "I'll have two conies and a coke." And then 20 minutes later, after you ate that, the guy would come back, you know, I'll have a loose hamburger, a bowl of chili. And then, you know, he eat that. 15 minutes later, he'd come back. Well, I'll have a piece of pie and a cup of coffee. And so, you, and everyone would do that. So you would sit there for an hour with the order constantly changing as you sat there. And the great thing is these waiters never wrote anything down. They never wrote anything down and they never got anything wrong. And so, you know, after being there an hour, you'd get to the end of the night. Did people ever go back and forth? Like, you'd go to one for a while, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to get some fries. And, like, you know, <laughs> there, walk across enemy lines to the other. Well, one. if you were going with someone who liked the other place, there was a little bit of that as well. Uh, That's a lot of meat to pack into your wallet <laughs> in one night, <laughs> You know, it's it's the Midwest. Come Packed on. meat. <laughs> Speaking for the, the man who, was, it's all who, all the time. who no, was I, eating steak while his mom was dying on the table across from him. But at the end of the night, they would tally up your order, and the guy would just show him. He's like, okay, you had two conies, uh, loose hamburger, chili, cup of coffee, piece of pie, $7.94. And you'd be like, all right. And you kind of go up, and you'd, you'd pay your $7.94 or whatever it was. But the amazing thing is guys never wrote anything down, never got an order wrong, and they'd kick out some number. Not that you could add that fast and figure out if they were right, but it always seemed reasonable. good enough. It always yeah. seemed reasonable. And you just, you know, you didn't sort of mess with these guys. So one night we go... We eat our food, and after we eat, we kind of head out onto the street trying to figure out what the next plan of action is. And sort of just as we get out to the street, one of uh, the waiters, I mean, they were kind of more hash slingers than waiters, jumps over the counter, knocking conies, cokes, cups of coffee, flying everywhere. Food is on the floor. Comes running out onto the street and accosts the guy standing next to me. You know pay for hot dog. And the guy's like, dude, I paid for the hot dog. And we're, of course, all aghast because you just don't question these guys. You don't pay for the hot dog. You had, you know, two conies. Go. Yeah. <laughs> you owe $5.49. You pay now. And the guy's like. Wait, he only owed $5? Wait, he wait, probably wait. spilled that much, like, Coke and stuff trying to it, get to the it's guy, It's the right? principle. You can't yeah. let people push you around, you know. And, and, and the guy's like, dude, I, pay, I paid for the hot dogs. You don't pay for the hot dogs. And the guy's like, dude, I paid. You pay for the hot dogs now. And the, guy, and the waiter runs back into the restaurant. Grabs a meat cleaver, hops back over the counter, oh. runs out onto the street with the meat cleaver waving. 
you pay for a hot dog or you die. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, I pay for it. Wow. It's not worth it to die for a hot dog. You pay really me the five forty-nine. Wow. Yeah. And he just dug in his heels and wouldn't pay, huh? It, it, at, that point, it, at that point, at that point, oh, he'll pay. You got the whole of Greek civilization, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, in your face. he swung the cleaver, hit the guy, <laughs> yeah. the body disappeared, and there was a sale on loose meat. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's it. You know, fantastic. Two in the morning, kind of the cops eventually showed up, wow. but the guy paid. The guy paid for the hot dog. Did he pay the five dollars and forty nine cents? Forty nine cents. He did. He ponied up. Versus a cleaver wound. <laughs> exactly. it's, not, it's not worth it to die for a hot dog. It, it, I think that's really the moral of the story. Yeah. No, it's the moral of this show. It I is. think that's what you put on the, you know. Yeah. yeah. Not it's worth not it. worth it to die for a hot dog. Yeah. Unless for, you're a very dumb lamb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although hot dogs can be like so tasty. I mean, the best ones I've ever had have been in Chicago at those like sleazy little all night diners that are open until four in the morning. It's the hot, greasy. hot dogs are a guilty pleasure. Oh. Top, and I've got top never ketchup. Like ordering ketchup is like an insult to them. Middle of the night, top dog. And this is how we learned how to watch TV top dog style, which is volume off, music blasting. That's it's it's known throughout the country as watching. I TV thought that was just general style. stoner behavior. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything needs names. That's right. Don't eat anything cuter it's than you. It's not a move if it doesn't Sync up the end. Wizard of Oz to your hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and get El Scorchoed. <laughs> there was this like, a movie theater trailer that in Florida, and it was called Snack Canyon. You remember that it was where there was this family of penguins... They were kind of like traveling by airplane. Are you making what? this up? No, no. Are they flying the plane? Top They're, dog, Mike. No, no. Listen to this. Are you <laughs> yeah. It was a family of penguins. A mom, dad, and baby penguin are flying in this airplane that crash lands oh, in the belly. desert. And they're walking. It's a bad spot if you're a penguin. Penguins in the desert. Yeah. And they're, they climb to the top of the sand dune. <laughs> And they look well, over no, no, the ridge. No, no, no. Wait, you know, I think in Can Detroit, we make it with girls and bikinis? Snack Cavern, it. and it was with eels. Snack Canyon. They, and they climb to the top of this, this ridge, and they look over, and it goes from arid desert, right? They're in the arid, barren desert, and they climb to the top of the sand dune. They look over, and it is a technicolor paradise with rivers of Coca-Cola and dots and candies and candy boxes. Every candy known to man wow. with rivers of Coca-Cola and popcorn. And it's like this magical, you know, uh, land, a, a canyon of snacks, Snack Canyon. So the penguins, like, go down into the Snack Canyon and uh, they get to the, to the counter at Snack Canyon. And the dad says, I'll have a Coke. And the mom says, I'll have a Diet Coke. And Junior Penguin says, Sprite, please. And then they, they sit there and they gorge out on, on a bunch of milk. And you think there are no subliminal messages And this in is a trailer for, to let people in the theater know that it's time to that go. That there are penguins in the lobby. To go, uh, to go get a snack. Is that what snack it is? Canyon. Snack, snack canyon. canyon. There it is. Wow. I, I'm stunned. <laughs> I, I'm stunned. There's there so many things wrong with that I imagery know, that I, I don't even know where to begin. Like, how can penguins be in the desert, first of all? Right. Or flying in an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> and would or they order really Sprite. order a Coke? <laughs> Sprite, please. <laughs> I wonder which explorer introduced Sprite into the penguin ecosystem. <laughs> all right. Well, fantastic. Thank you all very much. Tony Live B. from Snack Canyon. <laughs> Jack Loar, Bonnie Walks. Thank you. Nesta Vipers, distributed by KQED Interactive. 
All right, this is Danny Plotnick, and you've been listening to the Nest of Vipers podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to dig deeper, check out our YouTube page at youtube.com backslash Nest of Vipers podcast, where you can see clips that relate to the cultural references mentioned in the show. Also, if you'd like to leave us a comment, please visit our MySpace page at myspace.com backslash Nest of Vipers podcast. And as always, Nest of Vipers is distributed by KQED Interactive.